0: welcome to you know i guess i should ask jim Melikar. should we go with draftastic or draftacular
1: man draftastic sounds fantastic and draftacular is equally impressive what's you've been using draftacular
0: yeah that, that's kind of what i started with i don't know we could always switch it but but uh yeah so this is episode one draftacular i guess that's what we're going with uh, i'm John Comey, with me, Jim Melikar. Jim, how are you?
1: I'm here, man. I'm alive. I survived the vid. That's all that's important.
0: Excellent. Excellent. This is a, uh, this has been probably like a week and a half in, uh, in, in the works. I think uh, we were going to be doing this last Tuesday, if I remember correctly, and then just everything pushed it back. And, uh, I don't, I'm not sure that either one of us is, is especially prepared for this first episode, but Hey, you got to start somewhere and, uh, we could set the low bar to step over it. And perfect
1: the is the, uh, enemy of good. They say, and they also say things like, uh, everything's a draft. So that kind of works for us.
0: Yeah. I'm going for barely passable. So, um, so the, the format of this show is, is simple. Um, we're going to be, uh, drafting from various topics, uh, across the league. Uh, the wonderful thing is that, uh, we can't really run out of topics because, you know, I think by the time we do another season will come and then we can just reuse topics. Um, and once the season starts, uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a, uh, a shorter version of the show. I think we're trying to get like an hour. Um, per episode in the off season and then in season maybe getting a 30 to 45 minute episode and where we can draft stuff uh every day of of things we like and you know that that's that's for the future but we're gonna do um one uh league related draft and then one uh undraft I guess as it were um and then one anything draft and and uh if you already hear this and you're like oh man i want in and wish to be a guest just let me know or let jim know and we will gladly have you on so our topic uh for today our our league related topic and for anybody before i even get to this for anybody who is uh hearing this and is like what what is you um you know this is mlb pro uh, it is the only uh well, I guess I can't say only anymore but it is the original um daily out of the park baseball league if you are interested in checking out more about us go to mlb-pro.com and if you're interested in um you know out of the park which is uh uh a baseball game um a computer game uh it's also for the, uh, what iPhone and iPad, like there, there is a out of the park go, um, do go to, uh, out of the park. Oh, or I should say, oh, oh, They are not sponsoring us though. I will work on Marcus for that. Um, our league topic today is, uh, best teams to not win a championship. Uh, we are a decade in, and uh, what better way to start reflecting on the last decade than to look at the best teams that didn't win the thing? And, um, because we're, we're not even adding
1: caveats, are we, John? We're not, it's not even best non Angels Mariners team to win. It's, it's anyone's in play.
0: Yeah. It, it, anybody's at play now in order to try and make it, uh, fair maybe for the other teams because it has been an arms race between the angels and the Mariners for a lot of this with the twins being the redheaded stepchild in, in a lot of this, um, we are only drafting, um, one version of a franchise. So there'll only be one angels team. There'll only be one Mariners team. Um, only probably one twins team, you know, I want to try and get as much um, as much love as possible. And I can't speak for Jim, but I'm also going to be drafting one team that didn't even make the playoffs.
1: Wait, we can do that? I didn't even know that was an option.
0: Yes, I told you I was doing that.
1: <sighs> All right, I, fine.
0: I know two weeks ago was a long time, but that that thing I gave you, the teams that are in red are teams that didn't even make the playoffs.
1: Can we can we add? I mean, maybe just like a second half 2021 Detroit Tigers. That could be a team.
0: False. I can. uh, I. I, It has to be a full season effort. Um, you cannot draft the the Arizona Diamondbacks of May 2018 like that. That isn't. I just. If you go into the weeds on that, uh, yo, professor did no research. I, I don't even know what to do about that
1: we allowed to pick NL teams or is it
0: just AL teams? No, no, no. It's any, it's anybody. It's anybody. You see, we really went over the, the fine details on all of this before we got started, apparently. <laughs> um or, or or COVID took Jim's memory and he can't taste his memory anymore. Uh, taste no, memory. no, that this is this is everybody. It just you know it, it's actually a valid question. Uh because uh the list that I, I put together of the best teams to not win a title are are in a away, American League teams because the National League has been a oh what uh, a uh, puddle of putrid
1: <laughs> perhaps <laughs> uh, especially half of less Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Korea. Yeah.
0: No, no, it, it's fine. It's just it's been like a a moat of mediocrity. It, it's been it's just like it's been competitive, but. It has not stood out in the way the top-heavy American League has, and I guess that's just the way it goes. So, for this, because I did the research and Jim said I'd have to take the lead, I'm going to have the first round or first uh, pick for this, and then Jim's going to have our the first pick in our second. We are not doing this as a snake. Um, this will just be straight through. So, uh, my first pick, um, I am going to be taking the uh, 2017 Los Angeles angels. Uh, I'm just going to get it. You got it right off the board. Uh, So the angels of 2017, they went one Oh five and 57. Um, They had a uh, run differential of 5.4 runs per game. Uh, And I got to find them down here. Uh, they scored 5.4 runs per game. They gave up 3.8. This would help if I probably make it so I could read it. Um, they were a absolute force. You know, like if we if we look at their OPS, which I believe is how I have this. Yep, it is. Um, in their when you look at OPS, out of all the teams that I I selected for this, they are third in team OPS. Uh. At with a 797 clip um they had a team average of 275 which um ranks third on this list uh they scored um and I probably should have this they scored the most runs of of any team um in the list that I have and then uh in terms of runs given up, uh, oh, I can't even, I have to do my other thing. Yeah, they, I, they scored almost 900 runs,
1: John. It, it was insane. The number, the number is 881. I actually looked at it and couldn't even believe it. I think, I think we might've scored 881 runs over the past two seasons in Detroit.
0: Yeah, I'm fairly positive that the Rays have not scored uh, 881 runs in three seasons. Um the Angels also, they gave up 615 runs, which ranks fifth out of the teams that are on my list. Um, they Their whip was a 1.23, uh, which is like kind of middle of the road here. But um, like this was just a, a behemoth of a team. They're tied for fifth in BABIP. Now, if you want to talk about Players on this squad um this is where caleb uh Cowart, uh or coward uh hit 292 359 578 41 homers 96 ribbies
1: um i think
0: did he win mvp in this season
1: um I know. that was something i wanted to research too and and didn't that would be amazing to know
0: well i can i could pull that up fairly quickly here um
1: I thought equally impressive with, with cohort on this team. And this would have been my first pick as well for the record. Um, is aligned. And I just, I'm a Mazzara fan an MLB pro Mazzara fan. I don't really know why I remember last year, <clears throat> Matt had chucked out into the channel, you know, who's your, who's your favorite Mariners or not Mariners, sorry. Uh, Angels hitter of all time or something like that. I voted for Mazzara. I think I was the only one. I just, he puts up these just crazy stat lines, but was uh was Cowart the MVP that year? With- no, actually, actually, actually it was Mazzara. Yeah, see, like his line is also insane. They, I mean, they both they both put up like WRC pluses of like almost one fifty or better. I think yeah, one sixty four for Mazzara and one forty three for Cowart.
0: Yeah, Mazzara hit uh, a league high three twenty three, four twenty four, five fifty five. Had a um a, a league leading nine seventy nine OPS. 30 homers, 111 RBIs, had 92 walks, uh, also 14 stolen bases in 17 attempts. Um, you also had Oayashi, who, who went 303, um, 38, 118 on the slash line with a 156 um, WRC+. plus. Uh, he had a, a, a low-key war because he was the DH. He had 4.4 war. Mazzara had uh, an eight-war season. Um Pitching wise, uh, Ryan Copeland went 15 and six, uh, giving up just 158 hits and 192 innings. Um Derek Holland went 14 and seven, had a 3.8 war, which I believe led the led the pitching staff here. It did. Paul Erickson, who's one of my favorite pitchers in the league, guy that I've tried to get, uh, especially during my second Phillies run, or maybe even my first. Um, that I, I tried to get so much. I, I I love Paul Erickson. Um he went eight and two um and with four saves and gave up um just 82 hits and in 109 innings. Like he had a 2.6 war on this team and just 109 innings. Um overall, like this team was phenomenal. They lost in the division round to the Mariners, and that that is uh what uh, kept them from from getting there. Of course, the Mariners lost to the Twins, who went on to win the championship. So that's my first round pick. Uh, Paul, who's or Jim, who's your first round pick?
1: So I get a new name for this podcast. Yeah, like,
0: I don't. Know. We, should, we should do that every time. Yeah, we we should. So Jim, who do you got?
1: So my first round pick, like I said, I would have taken I would have taken the same Angels team, um, but I think there's another really great team that's not the Angels, not the Mariners. Um, I looked at this 2014 San Francisco Giants team. So what attracted me to this team was the um, run per game differential. So they had a 1.4 run per game differential. They scored 5.1 runs per game, which is pretty damn impressive for an NL squad. I don't think there's another NL squad on this list that even topped like, I want to say like even like 4.6, runs per game. So this team was just an offensive juggernaut and also had the pitching to go with it as well. Um, as I mentioned in in one of the podcasts that I did with, uh, with Heinz, like I am a, I'm a Giants fan in general. So this was kind of an easy pick for me. Um, I felt like when I started perusing this roster, I got really excited because Brandon Belt was, you know, one of the stars of the team. He's definitely one of my favorite all-time Giants um, you have Pardo who just put up a crazy year. I mean, he went, <laughs> these are like, these are video game numbers. He went 350, 406, 631 with an OPS of, you know, 1037, a WRC plus of 185 um, drove in 99 runs, hit 36 homers. The guy was crazy impressive. And um,
0: he won both MVP and rookie of the year that year.
1: And, and, you know, apparently if, Forced Buster Posey into a an early first base career, who also had just an insane season. Um, I mean, he went three twenty one, four 587 with a one seventy five WRC plus. These are the Giants teams when I was uh, when I was researching with my with my chat for Hines that I didn't know existed because they predate my tenure in the league. This team is fantastic. I I can't remember exactly, and maybe you have it in front of you how many games they won that year. I want to say it was one hundred and seven. Uh, Um, Yeah, I I do. They
0: won. um, Yeah, they went 107 and 55. Um, They won the division. Let me just pull them up here. Uh, They won the division um, by 20 and a half games uh, (laughs) over an Arizona team that got into the divisional round. Uh, They won 87 games, then defeated Washington. Uh, in the wild card. They did win the National League pennant. Uh, they beat the Mets, um, who was a, a absolutely worthy team as well before falling to Seattle 4-2. And I, I seem to remember in 2014 that uh, Seattle beating San Francisco was considered a, a monumental upset.
1: It had to be. It had that, to be.
0: Yeah, the, the Mariners, that team, did win 100 games. Um, but, uh, you know, they had, they had Miggy, uh, on, uh, a 345, 416, 614, 42 homer, 125 RBI season. Uh, they had Dra Jay Bruce, they had Prince Fielder who, who absolutely went off, but they didn't get the pub of that Giants team. And part of was a absolute, uh, major reason why, because, um, like I had just come back into the league in at the end of 2013 um i was completely caught off guard by by, by pardo um absolutely caught off guard also tim linsgum won the cy young that year so they swept all the awards cuz pardo won, won the two and then Linsigam going 18 and 5 267 era uh a 1.15 whip three, uh, 5.3 war um yeah it's a pretty damn good team
1: this team's magical. I think one of my favorite things about this team is the very old school nature of the pitching staff. They had four starters all log more than 200 innings. And then they had Jason Hamill clock in at 166 innings. I mean, there had to be no injuries, no DL stints. I guess they're IL stints these days, but we'll go with the classic term of DL stints back then. Um, nothing. I mean, these guys went out there and they threw every single time it was their turn. I mean, Ricky Romero made 32 starts, went 209 innings. Matt Cain, 32 starts, 218 innings. Clay Buckholz, 32 starts, 215 innings. Uh, Like you said, Lincecum, Lincecum went 30 with 209. These guys were crazy. I mean, the the strikeout totals weren't as huge as you might think for guys that are going 200 plus innings. I mean, they ranged from, you know, 150s to 180s with Lincecum being kind of the standout stud there at 210 strikeouts. But the pitching staff is just—it's just gross how good they were with Brian Wilson closing down these games too with 39 saves. He threw 77 innings, just amazing for for the back end of that that bullpen too.
0: Yeah, um, Lincecum and Clay Buchholz were one-two in ERA that season. Uh, Buchholz was second, actually. Actually, there were three players that were tied for second in wins. Buchholz, Lincecum, and Romero each had 16. The, the uh, uh, league leader in wins was Matt Latos. Um with 17. Um winning percentage. Lincecum led with a 762 winning percentage. Buckholz was second with a 727. Um uh Brian Wilson led the league in saves with 39. Um Sergio Romo uh pitched in 93 games, which led the league. Um let me see what else here. Um I
1: mean it just yeah you know, they no, were no, uh, no totally no fabled 20 game winner though on the staff just a lot of 16 game winners
0: well there was no 20 game winner in the league exactly um buckholtz uh, had a league best 210 opponents average um he was also third in whip at 1.07 um i'm kind of surprised honestly that buckholtz uh didn't win the Cy Young here. Um though, I mean, I get it with, with Lindsayum. Um, probably, you know, like the the war, Linsigum was five point three, to Buckholtz, four point eight. Um, so I I guess I I get it on that end. Yeah, it's a really good pick. Um I didn't think about the uh them having the best offense of of any team. Um so yeah, I, that's 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 a pretty I,
1: I, I think that's, that's where we say I got great value here at number two.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, well, I feel kind of dirty then. Um, that because on my ranking, um, I've, uh, do I really want to do this?
1: Are you going to go angels Mariners back to back? Is that the problem?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really
1: I'll, want to I'll let you be that guy.
0: I don't really want to do that. You know, I'm not I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not I'm not going to uh give Soze that that uh you know, I'm just not going to do that. I am actually I am going to take the 2012 Tampa Bay Rays. Um all right, which is not a homer pick because I wasn't there. Uh so the Rays of 2012, uh just to go over the basics here, they went they won 102 games. Uh they scored uh, an average of five point two runs per game, which ranks them um tied for what there's tied for one, fifth, tied for seventh overall um on this on this list and actually um actually I, this is the runs list that I have, so they may be a little no, they're same eight hundred and thirty nine runs scored um versus if I can find them. I have like, cause I have the pitching and the hitting all in different places.
1: So, yeah. And you know, the, the runs per game in terms of, you know, the per game average, not the total, total runs. Although I guess that will be the same because we always play 162. Um, they're, they're tied with all the, all the top teams. So like the 2017 angels, 2016 blue Jays.
0: Yeah. They gave up an angels. average of four runs a game, um, 644 runs scored on the season. Um, they have their tied I believe um not for uh they might be tied for the lowest whip on this list. Um where is when it came to there it is. Um when it came to um OPS uh they had a 769 OPS which is still like top um top tier for for this list. Um but to just start pulling out some some names here. Uh they won the AL East by six games over Toronto. Um they got uh they fell to Texas in the divisional round, who then fell to Toronto, who then won the chip that year. Um overall, this squad was led again. I'm we? get up here. There we go. Um <laughs> Okay, so uh they were led by Evan Longoria, who hit 260 with 29 homers, 96 RBIs, had 124 walks against 128 strikeouts. He had a 396 on base, he had an OPS of 863, a six point seven uh war. Um you know you might think that those numbers like aren't tremendous, but Tampa Bay, um has the worst stadium in the league.
1: Yeah, that's an impressive offensive output for that team.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not even close. You know, I mean, and they won 102 games with Matt Joyce, arguably. Well, I guess Ben Zobris was probably their second best defensive player. He had 298, 398, 549 uh, for a 947 OPS, 17 homers, 54 RBIs in just 92 games. I believe he got hurt. Um, He did have a war of 5.0. Uh, which would put him um, very much in the running for MVP if he had a full season, uh, which I'll, I would have
1: to check on. Um, we extrapolating if, now? We're just doing the extrapolation thing?
0: Well, it's two-thirds of a season. I mean, he would have a war of about seven and a half to eight in that case.
1: Maybe 15 um, if we round up.
0: That That's quite a rounding. <laughs> that That's quite a rounding. So, um, yeah, they were led by Matt Moore. 19 game winner uh they're also another team who just uh churned out starter you know just starters innings um as Matt Moore David Price and James Shields you know they're their big three each won at least 15 games Jeff Neiman also won 15 games uh putting in a, a solid uh effort they uh the their big three had at least a war of 3.4 um which is pretty uh solid uh, you know, and, and deserving of the term big three, um, you know, they they just, they were outside, out of the raised teams overall. Um, you know, if I'm going to draft one, I, I probably want to draft the, the, the 2012 team. Um, so I, I just, I can't bring myself to take the Mariners yet. Uh, I'm kind of hoping you do. Um, so I, that, that's where I'm going.
1: Well, <clears throat> Mister Son of a Bitch, I actually had a raised team on my list that I now have to cross off that I would have probably taken next. I actually, uh, was, uh,
0: uh,
1: I was looking at the 2014 flavor. Um, I think, in particular, because they had one of the highest run differentials on the board. Um, yep they they actually
0: had they were tied. Um, with the 17 Angels and another team on this list for uh, at 5.4 runs per game.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that team also—I I think Longo had departed, you know, by that by that point. Uh, but I won't—I won't say anything more about that guy. I hate him right now. He's uh,
0: Longoria, uh, no, I, that's the 2012 team that I have up there. Um, they did not have him. That was a team that was led by by cam uh actually no they were led by uh Giancarlo Stanton um hmm. with his 56 homers 150 RBIs though I think Stanton uh played for like eight different teams that year. Um nope <laughs> nope nope I I still totally he it's he nineties. played he played the the full season in Tampa Bay uh which that might be one of the most impressive feats um I've I've seen is fifty-six homers, hundred and fifty RBIs and two hundred and eight strikeouts. Um but yeah, Paul Canerco was was on that team. Um Cam Mabin, uh Matt Joyce, um Jason Castro. Like that, that's a very worthy team. Um so anyway, who are you taking?
1: I am taking a Mariners team. Fuck, fuck, fuck. So I'm gonna take the 2018 Mariners because that's, that pitching yeah. pitching staff's ridiculous. I I don't think you can They can't slide any farther than this. If you're doing that, you're just ignoring it. Um, I mean,
0: man, that's that's who I was going to take was was them. And I just principle, man, just principle.
1: I don't even know who you get more excited about. Like everyone loves a good Danny Halton day. Am I right? But you've also got, you've got Ivaldi, who I didn't even realize was on the Mariners this recently, nor did I realize that he was that dominant this recently that just shows you how, um, how much i didn't pay attention the first few years i was in this league i was busy uh i was busy rebuilding but um Evaldi, 233 innings going 20 and 7 187 k's 2.32 era i mean it, it's crazy that to think that anyone ever overshadowed danny haltsen who was equally good but um only 15 and 11 only uh 216 innings 194 Ks, 324 ERA, 321 FIP. Those guys were kind of um, those guys were kind of the one two there. Um, you still had King Felix going strong. He had a slightly above 500 record. Um, and then there's one other arm other than those guys. I oh, had yeah, Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy also had a fantastic year, going 15 and six for this Mariners team. So um, they, they really it looked like. From what I can tell, right? I, I didn't pay. I didn't pay attention in season to this team. Their bullpen usage looked like they were just using whoever they were comfortable using to get the outs. There's not like a big save leader in that bullpen. Um, you did have, you did have two relievers that picked up um, saves that threw over 80 innings in Sean Morimondo and Robert. I said, yeah, Paulus. Yeah,
0: Robert Paulus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Paulus led the team with 17 saves that season. Um, just real quick on the Mariners, they they won 162 that year. They won. They were um, they one of the wild card teams. No, nope, they finished they didn't two years behind the Angels. Uh, they beat Baltimore in the divisional series uh, before losing to the Angels in a seven game um, epic of a ALCS. So that that was the uh, the Mariners season. Ivaldi won the Cy Young that year. Um with his season. Um Paulus won the reliever of the year, which is pretty damn impressive when when uh somebody who gets 17 saves wins the reliever of the year. hmm Um but that uh yeah, I mean that that's where I was gonna go. Though if, if you want to take a, a pitching staff, um the honestly,
1: is this your next pick? No, 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 no. Like
0: the the 17 team, um, Mariners team might actually be, um, might actually be better. I mean, because that, that's when you got King Felix with his 22 and three year, and Evaldi went 15 and seven, uh, and gave up just 158 hits in 214 innings which is absolutely filthy disgusting. <laughs> Just yep. totally, totally disgusting. Holtson though went one, went nine and 12. Um, this was, you know, before Danny Holson, um went on his, his two year odyssey of being a pitching Messiah.
1: Yeah. I, I wanted to pick a Danny Holtson positive year for my pick that, that definitely factored into it.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, my, what was this? This is round three. So, uh, I'm taking the 2016 Toronto Blue Jays with this, with the selection. This is our team that won 105 games. Let me uh, just pull them fully up here. I said 2016, right? I did. So the Blue Jays, they won 105 games. They, uh, they were 13 ahead of the Yankees. That year, they got to the ALCS before falling to the Angels uh, 4-2. They led the league in um, runs scored 877, 5.4 per game. Uh, They had the best, uh, I guess I should say the second best OPS. Nope, nope, I'm sorry. They had the best OPS of any team um, ahead of the 2014 Rays team. They had an 804 uh, OPS. They had a 463 slugging percentage, which was 23 points higher than the next best team, that being the Angels uh, in 2016. I mean, a 463 slugging percentage is also uh, the best of any team on this list. Um, Again, ahead of the 2014... um, Oops. 2014 uh fight in stanton's uh in tampa um they also gave up just 3.9 runs per game so they had a 1.5 run differential 877 to 626 um the one thing that that also kind of stood out with this team is uh they were sort of like what were they 7th in opposing average. But in terms of Babip, um they were at the near the bottom of the league in Babip. Um so they like their defense wasn't particularly great, but that meant like their offense was even that more spectacular that they won 105 games with a Babip that was fourth worst in the league. Um that that's very impressive. Um in terms of the team itself, uh, they were, they were very well spread out. You know, Juan Francisco led this team with 31 home runs. Uh, they had five players who had at least 21 uh, Juan Francisco, Bryce Harper, Eric Thames, um, Tyler Moore, and Nick Franklin. And then they had another five guys who had at least 10 home runs. Uh, in oh. terms of of RBIs. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, 10. At least 10 players have uh, 49 RBIs or more. Um, it was just, this was a filthy, disgusting lineup. Um, they had four regulars hit over 300. Uh, they had another hit 295. Um, there was just no, real like hole in this lineup. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight. offensive players have at least 2.3 war. They went uh, from 2.3 to 6.5, which is Bryce Harper land. Um, that is as well-rounded an offense as you can have. Um, they also had a job at Chamberlain's very special uh, 18 and five. Um 2.56 ERA season in which um this is actually really small for me. Um he gave up what what do he do? He um 166 hits in 186 innings, 189 strikeouts, 4.6 war on that. Like they just they were a very, very tough team and probably probably deserved better. They had no award winners and they won 105 games.
1: You know what the problem was with this team?
0: Um they ran into the
1: Angels. No Brian and Noah. What's that? No Brian and Noah. No Brian and Noah. No winner.
0: Oh, well. Well, then. I I I, I guess so. Um,
1: yeah, that's how it works. We're going to ask. We'll ask Mitch. He'll agree.
0: Yeah, because.
1: Um, I don't even know if he ran this team then, but I'll still ask him.
0: Uh, I don't remember. Honestly. I don't remember. So. All right, so the so the Jays are off the board with 16. Who's so um Angels, Giants, Rays, Mariners, and Blue Jays are selected. Now I'm hoping you don't take uh, the team that I would like to hopefully get through. So you're up third round.
1: Well, <clears throat> I did have a Jays team on my list too. Um I think it was I think it was actually the 2020 team that I was looking at, but um, they wouldn't have Trump this team. So I, I'm a sucker for pitching. Um, so I'm going to take what I think is the best pitching team on this list. Um, although the offense was just garbage. Um, I want to take the, yeah, am I? Yeah, I am. I'm going to take the, the, the 2017 Mets. That's oh,
0: now I, that's interesting. So go ahead. Cause I, I have another team that I'm, I'm surprised, um, but a Mets team is who I was going to take. So.
1: There are there are really good Mets team, really good Mets teams on here. I, I honestly just went for this pick, like I said, because I love the I love the pitching that comes along with it. And it's funny that I say that um that the that the offense was was awful because they had plenty of great offensive players. The runs per game that I'm and I'm going off of this list. And like if you look at the stats, and I, I honestly can't believe that their runs per game was as low as it was, but it says um, this 95 one win, win team only scored 3.8 runs per game. And now as I'm looking this over, I'm seeing, I think Jeffrey Marte with, um, is, it, is this the right one? Yeah. Jeffrey Marte, 34 doubles, 27 homers. He went 294, 347, 504. That's a big mm-hmm. offensive output. I see another, I don't know, one, two, three players, Ike Davis, Matt Dundecker that had good offensive years. And I'm, I'm just shocked that they scored so few runs, but like I said, the um, the lead on this one was was the pitching, and if we look at what they did, they actually had a ton of pitchers that they used for over 150 innings. I think this looks to me like a six man staff. Again, wasn't around for it. Don't know. I mean, technically, I wasn't around for it, but I wasn't watching it happen. Um, they had Simon Castro and Matt Harvey throw 186 innings ish. Uh, Jonathan Neese throw 203. Uh, Scherzer throw 153, Alberto Vega throw 168, and Zach Lee throw 149. I actually don't even know how this is possible, but it apparently happened, and the results were were spectacular. I think the the most wins on this team was Matt Harvey with 17, and after that, it's a bunch of 10 game winners because it's all split up over over these numerous starters. Um, do you have do you have recall of this team, John?
0: I had bits and pieces um i remember this team being a a giant pain in the ass um because i if and 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 if i remember correctly and i probably don't i probably don't but i i think that this was a race um going into the final like, like month or, or, or like five weeks of the season. Um, and that the Mets Braves and, and Phillies at the time were, were all, you know, all competing because, uh, this, what was this the year? Like, um,
1: I mean, this, this team scored the, like the fourth lowest amount <laughs> of runs in the NL that year. and won 95 games. So I don't know what you guys are doing in this division, but yeah, they won it by six games over the yeah. Braves and nine the, Phillies the Phillies
0: by nine. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know, like it was a very uh, pitching heavy year. Um, you know, like the the Mets gave up three point two runs per game, which which is the best out of all the teams that I had on on my research list. But the the Braves were three point six, the Padres were three point six, the Dodgers were three point six. Uh, the Phillies and Reds were 3.7. And out of those, like one of the reasons why the National League co- consistently uh does this is one, they don't have the DH. Um, but two, like the Mets, um, the the Braves, the Padres, the Dodgers, um, all play in in pitching friendly ballparks. Um, the Phillies is more offensive. Um which made like what I did while not being successful uh, somehow even more successful of having a pitching defense team uh, in that ballpark. Uh, the reds play in a bit of a band box, if I remember correctly. So like that was, that was a feat, but like the 3.2 is a heck of a, um, uh, you know, uh, a limit, like, um, now their offense was bad. They were they're the lowest of any team on this list as well, 3.8 runs per game. Um they outscored opponents by 107 runs. Um, but they held teams to a 238 average, which was actually third in the league. The Padres and Braves were better in that. Um, they were fourth in Babip. Um they were there we go. I think that's what I want. Um, they actually were middle of the pack uh, in strikeouts. The the Phillies led the league in strikeouts that year. But um, they were second in walks. They actually were tied with the Dodgers for the fewest amount of walks and uh, they gave up the least amount of home runs. So they kept the ball in the ballpark um, and they did just enough on offense. And I seem to remember um, was this the year, um, yeah, like Matt Dan Decker was just, um, he, this wasn't his best season by, no, by any no. stretch. Um, and that might have been the thing because like in 2015, he was great. Um, and then, you know, in 2014, he was great. And then in 2016, he got hurt. And in 2017, he never he didn't really he, he hasn't really been the same since. like he was good in 2018, but but that really, I think, could have been the, the difference between them winning the thing and them not. But Jeffrey Marte, that was his uh, his first year up, and uh, he um, you know, he did not win MVP as that went to Jose Gonzalez. Um, but there was a huge debate. I think Marte finished a close second in that race. Um, Gonzalez was deserving, but Marte was really good that year. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a worthy pick. I actually was surprised you didn't take the 2020 team yep. that won 107 games. Yep. Um, and held teams to 3.5 runs per game. So that, that was, I was a bit surprised, but yeah, I was gonna, I was probably gonna take the, um, the 2020, uh, actually, um, I was gonna take the twenty nineteen Mets as the team that did not make it to the playoffs. Um that that's where I was gonna go.
1: Oh, so I blocked that pick. Man, now I just feel bad. You did. You should you should feel terrible. I do feel Um, terrible.
0: So I guess um for my fourth round pick, um who's still on the board for me here that uh um I well I can't take them anymore and they're gone and can't take them. Um so I guess I and I can't take them now which it seems like all of the picks I was going to take were were were, were are blocked. Um so I will take uh I guess Oh uh,
1: All right. I will
0: take uh a team that did not make the playoffs and it's not my favorite pick in the world um but it's probably the best out of any of these actually i i 'll go ahead I'll take um the 2020 Cleveland Indians over another team that I was going to take so they went ninety and seventy two um they finished. Uh, in second place, they with ninety wins. They were seven games behind Chicago, uh, but they did not make the playoffs because the Angels and Rangers uh, won ninety nine and ninety two games, respectively. Now the Indians, um, they were middle of the pack on offense at four point seven runs per game. They scored uh, seven hundred fifty nine runs. Uh, when it came to defense or to pitching, though, they were tied for second with 4.1 runs given up per game and they were third in opposing average at 243 uh their whip they were third in whip um they were fifth in strikeouts um overall they they had a really good staff um they just you know offense they they were third they they were fifth, 13th in um home runs at 170 um their OPS was actually pretty decent middle of the pack there at 752 um but that this just was um really a, a a good pitching heavy squad now when it came to offense um they were led oh uh, you can't do it on that one um by Rodrigo Espinosa's 252 t- uh and I say lead, I mean, well, 287 on base. I mean, that was kind of indicative of this team is 252, 287, 448 for a 735 OPS, 29 homers, 100 RBIs. Um, he had just a 0. 0.4 war, which is because of defense and stuff like that. But Keon Barham, uh, Barnum at 269 with 24 homers, 78 RBIs, um, Jorge Alea. Uh, or I, yeah, I had hit 267 with 22 homers, 63 RBAs had a 2.7 war. But again, the pitching, um, was their bread and butter. Rod Swift went 12 and two, um, with a 2.56 ERA gave up just 90 hits and struck out 136 and 123 innings. Steven Strasburg went 14 and seven with a 3.5 ERA, uh, Gave up 174 hits and struck out 238 and in 192 innings. Um, this team probably deserved better, but also maybe not. But you got to take a team without a defense or at least or without a, a playoff spot. And so I'm, I'm taking them. Which so, Jim, you got to unmute because you're
1: you muted yourself. I did mute myself. That was because, you know, I was typing. I was banging out these picks into our spreadsheet. Um, I can build on that. I can build on that. Um, I'm going to take another Strasburg team. That's a homer pick. It's uh, the team that I would go on to inherit either a year or two afterwards. I'm going to take the 2016 Detroit Tigers, led by Steven Strasburg. Um, Of the teams that we have in our little research cradle here, this was um, next to that Mariners team. It was just dirty and nasty is one of the, uh, the lowest runs per game given up by pitching staff, the 2016 Tigers and Strasburg was definitely the, uh, the catalyst for this team. This guy threw 263 innings striking out 291 batters. These are numbers that sound crazy to me, just looking at them. Um, they had two other pitchers throw over 200 innings in Josh Johnson Inherited inherited when I took over this club as well, and uh, Justin Masterson threw another 200 innings for this club. Waldo Jimenez, um, 164 innings with a, you know, so-so ERA of 4.0. Um, Strasburg did win 20 games for this club. Moore and Johnson won 14 and 15, respectively. Um, Brian Wilson was the, was the closer. He was not like an overutilized guy. He was a, you know, 50-ish inning pitcher who just had a lockdown um, on that last inning, a 1.52 FIP, 1.57 ERA, um, 78 Ks over 51 innings. He was just fantastic. Flipping to the offensive side. These are names that, that I recall, like I said, when I took this team over, Jesus Montero, who I sent out of town very quickly thereafter um, was kind of the big bat in the lineup. Um, He was their DH. They also had um, decent seasons out of right fielder, Adam Bailey, um, third baseman will middlebrooks um but i mean overall the offense was just good enough the pitching was just what i saw as being dominant and you know again i love those types of teams so that's my pick there
0: yeah no it's a good pick um strasburg's um war that year was 6.3 or 6.58 which ranked um or wait no do i have the right one
1: here Um, yeah 6.3 that year
0: yeah, so, um Yeah, okay. No, wait. Was this was the 16 team? Um 16, so yeah. yeah, so it was uh 6.29 which ranked 19th um and over this stretch like he was ridiculous um because this is actually the lowest war that he had from 2012 until um 2017 maybe uh yeah 2017 like his 2013 season is fourth on the war leaderboard at 7.61 um in that season um did i say his 2013 squad i say that yeah yeah um his 2013 he went 16 and 9 with a league low 2.41 era struck out 275 and 209 innings against just 152 hits um his, uh, so that's fourth best behind Clayton Kershaw's 2015, Brandon Beachy's 2014, and Danny Holton's 2021. Um, his 2015 ranked seventh overall. It was 7.25 whip or 7.25 war. His 2014 uh, is eighth at 7.19. And then um, his 2017 is 15th at 6.56. And then his 2016 is 19th. Um, Detroit got all the good years out of Steven Strasberg.
1: <laughs> they really did. <laughs> all of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, now I'm I'm really struggling with this with this last pick because um, you know, well, the again, it's it's kind of top heavy on on a lot of this. And the one team that I, I think I probably should take, I'm just not a huge huge fan of um but all right i'll i'm gonna go ahead and do it um let me just uh pull this up all right so i'm gonna take uh the where are they because i i my brain is like fried there they are the 2016 atlanta braves uh they went 101 and 61 um and as i can Pull up the overall sheet here. So they won the division by 10 games over the Mets. Uh, they lost to the Mets 3-0 in the divisional round, which should preclude them from this list. But
1: that's a very Brennan-esque finish.
0: Yes, yes. Um, they finished second in the NL in um, runs scored with 743 and they were third in runs allowed at 6.01. And just to, again, give you an idea of how competitive the NL East was or how pitching heavy the NL East was at this time. Um, the Phillies and Mets uh, tied for first at 3.5 runs per game. Um, the Phillies, uh, I should say, yeah, the Phillies gave up the fewest at 5.65. Um, they just had a absolutely putrid offense. They scored only 609 runs. Um, but the the Braves, um, they were third in opposing yeah. average. Uh, they were fourth in WHIP. Um, on the offensive side, uh, they were well. They were actually lower on home runs. Um, only 123. Uh, and their OPS though was fifth, so overall, like that, that's that's not too bad. Um, the team itself was led, um, actually, this was kind of like a uh, th- this is like the weird, fluky year. Is this really what I have here? Yeah, <laughs> um, because their leading offensive player, um, or I should say. Um, yeah, their, their biggest power hitter that year, you, you want to take a guess on who their biggest power hitter was
1: 2016. I don't know. Atlanta's a revolving door. It could be almost anyone in the league. You pick it really, it really could.
0: Um, it really could now, now this is a bit disingenuous because, um, Armando, uh, Cabanas was not there a full season. He had 32 home runs. He had 13 in the 53 games that he played, but that did not exceed the 15 that Greg bird did hit in 129 games. Um, which is bizarre.
1: Is that honestly? also the lowest amount of home runs that Greg birds ever hit?
0: Uh, no, it just, is it? I don't know. Um, Greg bird. um,
1: no, now, looks I'm like he to... looks like he hit eleven, hit eleven. And, and, oh no, nope, no, nope. that's uh, part of a split season. I take that back. Yes, lowest amount of homers he's ever hit.
0: Yeah, so he hit fifteen, and um, but that led the team. Now, it, it it does need pointing out that that oddly third on this team, and I, I got to look in the transactions more, but third on this team is Robert Ramirez, who's not in the league anymore. He's in the minors, but he's a he's a minor league free agent right now. Um talk about your unlikely contributors. So, he hit 276 391 496 for an 887 OPS in 79 games, 61 starts for Atlanta as it, in his age 23 season, um which was actually um spent across 3 or three teams. Um, he also spent time with Chicago and with Oakland. He hit a combined four home runs with those teams. And in fact, he, um, he was traded uh, out of Atlanta to Chicago. Um, talk about tr- uh, selling high. He was, he was traded on July 5th um, to the white Sox. Uh, along with Matthew Spaulding, who was um really, really freaking good in Cincinnati um for a couple years and and was the object of my affections for a long time. Um but well, his team was, Oh he sorry was in, he was in a trade for Nick McCauley, Mikael Franco, and Victor Murphy, and and Nick McCauley was um a a huge deal then. Um And what only got in the two games, but uh, which was a bit of a surprise. I wonder if he got hurt Um, because he was a, he was a kind of a big deal then. So it was kind of weird to see him only get in two games.
1: Well, I mean, one of the (laughs) the biggest things with this roster, I mean, it's almost impossible for anyone to have more than 10 home runs on this team. They, I'm just going to venture a guess. They had 67 guys play (laughs) offensively for this team. Probably, I don't know another thirty-seven of those played in at least like fifty games. Like, did Brenton flip this team over every month? Was it wasn't it like, all right, this month, this is the uh, twenty sixteen May Atlanta Braves, let's roll, and then you know just flip those guys off to another team. I've I've never seen a roster with. I mean, no joke, like, just looking through these games played for these guys, 98, 121, 31, 64, 33, 53, 28, 19, 47, 91, 73, 29, 50, 96, 28, 118, 20, 70, 20, 134, 68, 37, 138, 29. It, it's littered with playing time. It's, it's almost like roulette. I don't even know what was going on.
0: Yep. It was, um, you know, the, the, uh, the team leader was uh, young or peak. Or, or Pac with uh, 138 games played, 132 starts. Um, this was a utterly bizarre team and maddening team that 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 got the job got the job done. Now, uh, pitching wise, they were led by Tyler Pill, uh, 15 and five, um, 156 hits and 177 strikeouts and 188 innings pitched, 2.63 ERA um, with a 3.12 WHIP. He had a 4.4 uh, WAR. Matt Barnes went fifteen and five, uh, with two hundred and eight strikeouts and one hundred and eighty-eight uh, hits in, in two hundred innings. And then the other guy, uh, uh, Matier's cadet, um, went fourteen and five, but he like he was indicative of this team because he gave up one hundred seventy-three hits and one hundred seventy innings, um, for a three-eight zero ERA with a three, four, a whip. Um, trying to look and see if he did anything worthwhile since, um, that was actually his rookie year. Um, and he, uh, he's actually been out of the league since 2020. Um, but he was really good that year. I do remember him and being utterly pissed off by him, um, on a, on a regular basis. So, um, that's where this draft led me. Um, this was done live because, uh, you know, if we had done this offline, uh, probably no way in hell I'm taking this team. But
1: uh, hey, whatever. That's the fun of the pod.
0: Yep. So your last pick,
1: one one last pick. I'm going to use this pick as like a history lesson, and I mean it's a fun team too. This team, um, this team did win over 100 games, if I recall correctly. I mean, allegedly, this is the 2018 Baltimore Orioles. Yes, the Orioles were relevant. Somebody once told me a story about this team. Um, oh God, yeah. Someone, <laughs> someone recently it could have been you. I don't even remember. It wasn't uh, me.
0: I, my... <laughs> I I dare not speak of them.
1: <laughs> but Drew, it, apparently miracles can happen. This this team was relevant. The Orioles did something. They won a bunch of games. Um, I looked at the roster, and there's a couple reasons I picked this team. One. They had Travis Janikowski ripping off 63 stolen bases in 69 attempts. I think that's just a fun, fun season. Uh, 320, 385, 412 was his triple slash. Um, Nothing super crazy in the WRC plus, but, um, you know, he threw together a 4.1 war season. There's a bunch of like three and a half war guys on this team on offense. The fun fact that I'm going to pull out for this one is Raul Aguilera, who is now um, my second baseman in Detroit. And he's, you know, really cemented himself into a, fan favorite in detroit he came up as a rookie this year in baltimore i eventually stole him in the rule five draft he uh he didn't make it with his baltimore club even though he hit 276 312 350 as a rookie um, in 37 starts 163 at bats i'm not really sure why he was eventually cut or how he made his way to milwaukee and then eventually to miami where they eventually didn't protect him but i thought it was kind of cool that my buddy uh aggie was on this team um, they also had Rob Segadin who I've known from him beating up on my pitchers in the Central with the with the White Sox. But flipping over to the um, to the pitching side with this club, like they had a couple of fun seasons here too. So no real big like you know like strikeout machines on the pitching side of things. I mean, they had Steve White, who threw 244 innings, but he ate those innings, man. 143 <laughs> Ks, 75 walks, still managed to post a 3.43. ERA um, and win 16 games. They had a guy named Lucio Cruzado. I feel like I've seen that name somewhat recently as like an off injured starter. Is this the guy from the Cardinals?
0: Uh he might be. Uh he's a free agent right now. I was with the Dodgers the last Dodgers. year. He he is yep. injured. Uh he's out for two or three uh more months with COVID. Um <laughs> uh it's listed here as intestinal virus. It's gotta be COVID. Um, but he was uh, absolutely electric last year seven and one with a 144 four ERA and 12 starts with the Dodgers. Uh, nice. Yeah, 0.87 um uh whip and a 2.0 war just you kind of wonder um how that's going to come together like you know coming out of <laughs> COVID um if you uh if he's gonna be able to pitch well now now the Steve White thing um the reason I recoil at at this is um because it was it was like a daily ted talk on how to properly care for a team um and steve white was the was the poster child and And it wasn't just like how to properly care for a team, but how the other teams were not properly caring for theirs. And it was the nurturing of Steve White that um, you know, I, I'm absolutely all for people talking about their teams um and and forgetting that. Like I feel like um by and this is probably the 2017 season that that I'm really I'm really cluing in on here um but uh, probably that season that i i think i'm pretty sure i knew um like where steve white's kids went to school what he got for his 26th or yeah for his 26th birthday um you know i might have been invited to his party like it was just every day was like um just you know here's what we're doing right and so it's maybe the 18 team. again, things kind of run together. Um, but the the GM at that time um, definitely uh, um, well, he's not here anymore, like Drew's true.: Yeah.
1: it's um, fine.
0: Honestly, I don't remember the, the name of the guy. Um, not that I'm going to put them on blast here, but
1: don't uh, worry. It was Andy. So, um, the, oh, <laughs> the other right. fun thing about this team was, was the bullpen usage. So they had three relievers throw like 90 innings, um, without starting a game. Super fun. Um, I don't know. It just, it was a fun team. Won 102 games. Um, I can't, I can't recall a time where I thought that Baltimore was a relevant team and MLB pro. So it was kind of fun to pick them.
0: Well, I mean, and, and they were, they were good for like those two seasons they they um they won 73 and 16 they won 80 and 15 and then they lost 110 in in 2014 so um you know and then the the team got dismantled um i'm guessing and andy lefters so, i don't know i have no idea um they'll need to, speculate. I to say yeah i don't need to speculate um so uh who got the better of this draft? Please let us know in the Slack chat. Um, Well, we'll, I'll post a screenshot of, of the teams um, or maybe even the, the team pages um, post that there. Now we're on to our second draft, um, which is a new year, best, best, right? Yeah, we're going best, best, best new year's resolutions. and, um, I'm wholeheartedly against this concept because, um, the calendar is man-made to me and like, I don't, I don't celebrate new year's. Um, I'm also old and I'm not
1: going out for Curmudgeony, no You're curmudgeon-y.
0: I, I am, I guess, you know, but, but it's just not a thing for me. So this is best new year's resolutions, which is going to make me look them up because i have no idea oh man you can them look first. them up
1: I'm, I'm taking the first pick then because you have the first yeah pick. you
0: have, no, you have the first pick yeah
1: sweet all right so i think best new year's resolution that anyone can possibly have is um either more or better vacations and vacation time i think there's nothing more important especially in the current era of just like taking time off to recharge so Um, I make it, you know, I, I told you, like, I don't do new year's resolutions. I think if you're going to change your life, any day is as good as another to change it. But, um, I do make goals and almost always on this list of goals that I'll have for a given year. And I think I kind of gave it up during the the COVID end times, um, was planning out vacations and making sure that I scheduled them into life and made sure they happened. So it's my number one pick, best, best resolution.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to, to take that number one. Um, it, it's, it's probably the best pick available. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, so I'm, I'm going to tell you the, the websites that um, come up when uh, looking up uh, best New Year's resolutions. So the top website that comes up is countryliving.com. The second one is parade.com parade. Uh, for those of you that were born after 1990, uh, parade is basically like readers digest for newspapers that would come with the Sunday paper. It is terrible. It's terrible. I can't believe it's still around to be honest with you. Uh, third is good housekeeping because of course, um, and then there's one called Go skills, um and then the pioneer woman. Um. So I'm gonna go in ghost skills and let's just let's just say take here. one out. Yeah. The the ten most common New Year's resolutions because.
1: Um, you know I. I We're going best. best. We're not even going common. This got to be be a damn good New Year's resolution.
0: What, what you put on here, and I guess yours qualifies as like, I guess it doesn't actually. I'm not even sure it does. Um, it's not on the list of, of the 10 most common New Year's resolutions. So, like, that's indicative of our society. Um, though, I guess I will pick one that goes against my, my core, I suppose, uh, my, my ADHD brain, which is get organized. Um, and yeah, I can't do
1: it. Can't do it.
0: I'm terrible at this. I go through phases where I'm ridiculously organized and I come up with a system. And, and this is like, this should have been a sign. Like when I was a kid, um, you know, ADHD wasn't really a thing. Like I was a kid in the late eighties, early nineties. And, um, and you know, I'm born in 80. So I'm 41. Um, and ADHD wasn't, wasn't a thing, but like the ultimate sign that I, uh, have had ADHD all my life is how I would clean my room. And like, I would completely organize my baseball cards by, by team, by player, by, um, by, by everything imaginable. And then I would shove everything in my closet or under my bed. Um, like I'm sure a lot of kids have done, um, because I could not organize that for my life. And the same thing is here in my office. I am so unorganized. I know where something is, but I couldn't tell anybody where anything is. So um, it's not something that I'm like, it's, it's always something that I try to do in the spur of the moment. But getting organized, especially when, you know, in my field, like I have that week off, um, it's always good to try and take the time to like declutter and stuff like that. I seem to get more cluttered just seem that just seems to happen so anyway that's that's my first pick is get organized i like it my original first pick my original first pick was don't die so that's a good one solid yeah like and then and then you chose something that was serious and i was like well damn it
1: well you can you can use that for your second pick you shouldn't i mean maybe i'll steal it i don't know i'm not gonna steal it i'm gonna pick my i'm gonna pick my i'm actually gonna pick my 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 favorite thing for uh next one which is read more than you did last year um most people tend to do this by book count and that's kind of how i've approached it as well i don't read a ton i think it's important to read um you know kind of everything both you know fiction nonfiction. um i probably only read six books last year so i'm not a huge reader but i do plan to try to read more this year and i and i think it is i think it's one of the better things you know Get some enjoyment out of it or get some get some learning out of it i in the past i've leaned heavily into you know books about data and statistics as is my job as a data scientist but now i tend to kind of read a little bit more in the fiction category with like thrillers and, and things like that but that's my second rounder
0: okay all right that that that's pretty good that's actually number 10 on this list oh nice uh, yes um so my next one oh, shit is not on this list um but uh i am a creature of habit um and you know like one of the things that that the guys in the league know as they were there for the tail end of this is like um you know 10 years ago i was uh as of now i was i was kind of coming down the home stretch towards a ridiculous amount of weight loss and Um, I just decided like, I need to start building better habits. Um, you know, like look at how I eat and this wasn't a new year's thing. Like I started it, um, actually through a pretty bad breakup is how I, how I, how I started the process, which is, I guess, as good a time as any. Um, but, uh, that leads me to, to mine, which is build a new habit. Um, because the one thing that, uh, the new year does is, it is like a good um uh starting point for just trying to um make you know a stylistic change in your life like i went to intermittent fasting um over the summer because i was snacking way too much um and uh yeah, you know, like I think there was a couple of years ago where like I was eating too many unnecessary carbs. So like I did use January first as um a, as a way to just like get in the habit of of just not doing unnecessary carbs. I did have the plan of um doing um crunches every day and like and and trying to start a streak of of closing all three ring, rings on my watch on my Apple Watch. Um, and then I blew out my back on New Year's Eve and blew up my shoulder and, and, um, well, there went that. So whenever I'm feeling better, I I will start trying to build that new habit, but that's, um, that would be my number two is just build a new habit.
1: That's a great one. I actually have a very similar story. So, um, I just decided one day, like, Hey, I'm just going to work out every day. And I think I started that in the middle of the summer of uh, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, and if just other than you know, like you said, back injuries and things that pop up, I, and COVID, um, I've totally pulled that off. So I'm all for I'm all for building a new habit. That's a great one. Um, let's see, my third pick. Um, so there's a couple of different things that I try to do, and um, I exercise this one today, so I guess I'll use this as my pick, and it's um, say something nice to someone. And it, and it definitely doesn't have to be anyone you know. So the way that I exercise this today is, guy at work, um, never met him, gave a really nice presentation over Zoom today. And I just reached out to him afterwards and just said, you know, and, it, and I try to make these like unique. I don't want them to be like generic compliments. Um, so I reached out to him and just said, you've really honed your presentation skills. That was very entertaining to listen to and you're very good at what you do he was super appreciative and you kind of like build a relationship with that as well. Right. So I feel like those types of, types of things, both like spread joy and inspire other people and are just a good way to make you feel good and to make somebody else feel good at the same time.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a good one. Like I, I um, will give my, my students some um, you know, life hacks once in a while stuff that I've come across and, and um, one of the things that I've told them, is, uh, I was like, if you ever want to make somebody's day, um, just ask them how their day is doing and listen to the answer. Uh, and this, this is especially true of people who work in the service industry, whether retail or, um, or, you know, like grocery store clerks or, um, you know, wait staff at, at, at restaurants because, um, those jobs suck. And by and large, they're getting people's complaints. Like they're not really getting people's positivity most of the time. Like if they're being engaged, it's, it's, it's typically for either a neutral reason or a negative reason. Um, and so just actually listen to the answer. Um, because I think a lot of times people in those fields, um, feel like, you know, they're just kind of getting the shit end of the stick from, you know, a lot of people and, and, um, just like feeling that value. So like, you know, saying something nice to random people like that, that's something I subscribe to as, as well. So that, that's a really good one. Um, my, my third one is something that actually, um, I, now that we're coming out of, of COVID, um, I was really like, okay. On Spotify every year, um, I make a playlist of songs that mattered to me over that year. I, I call it the, the anthem. Um, and actually I didn't make one for 2020, I guess I really haven't made one since COVID started. Um, but I, I did it for all the years before that because like music means a lot to me and especially last year, um, I didn't really find any new bands or or new music to to grab onto, and so um, one of the things that I'll put in for this for for this list is to find new music, um, because that's like I don't want to be one of those people. Well, I already am. I, I kind of just listen to podcasts now, but um, you know, like my parents always listen to. Uh, Well, my dad listened to like 60s and 70s, which which is really good music, and my mom listened 80s, which is music. Um, I I didn't say good or bad; it's music. But um, you know, I don't necessarily want to be one of those people who listens to the same three or four bands every time, even if I've been the 45 Dave Matthews shows um, and a bunch of Howie shows and stuff like that. Have you you been to 45 Dave Matthews shows? I have. I have.
1: Like, um, that's the legitimately your number
0: it's 45 uh yeah i think the two shows at madison square garden in, in uh back in november were 44 and 45 um you don't just
1: know you, know you know i
0: fair like because yeah because there's a website where it keeps track of like your your tour stats and stuff like that and um there was um
1: well, what's the website i feel like if we're sharing you know life hacks
0: um it's uh there there's ants marching and then there's um Uh, yeah, there's antsmarching.org. Now the, um, like the, what, what stuck out to me of, of that particular band is it took me until I think it was my 39th show, um, to be at a show where I saw, um, where every song was a song I had seen before. Now it's there in different arrangements and stuff like that, but I had seen something brand new at each of my first 38 shows. And actually... Um, I think there's only been one show so far where I've seen something, um, you know, that, that was a show like that. So like, that's why I keep going, um, is that, that keeps happening. So, so your fourth rounder,
1: my fourth rounder is going to be, um, do something you've never done before or try something new. So since we're giving personal life stories. As I alluded to in one of the other podcasts I did, I started doing this treasure hunt thing last year, this book called The Secret. And it's led me to another thing that falls under a lot of New Year's resolution lists that I you know, mentioned earlier, which is travel. But this is just like something I would never go do. I, you know, I've essentially been to a couple cities now trying to excavate this like little box out of the ground that some guy buried in 1981. Um, simply out of like a passion for do something new do something you wouldn't normally do and to me it's like I've engaged in in things like this that are like uh, like puzzle solving and, and and things like this and some things I've you know solved or won and that's cool but like I definitely never just said okay well I'm gonna get an airplane I'm gonna fly out to uh out to North Carolina I'm gonna drive down to Charleston and I'm gonna try to actually recover this thing out of the ground that i think that i know where it's at it actually sounds totally insane and um and i love it because it gives me a story to tell people now that they're super interested in even if they don't give a shit about the about the topic itself they're like so you went and did what you just you just decided to go do this what made you decide to go do this and it just drives really interesting conversations so i think man if you can if you can find something new to try or do go for it
0: yeah yeah the um you know the thing that we were, my girlfriend and I were going to do before before COVID is we we were looking at at improv classes, um, because I do like improv in front of my kids all the time, um, all all it's it's constant improv, and um, you know like I know what I'm teaching, but wherever it's going is up to the kids and 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 um, where the conversations go. So like it's a lot of fun, um, and I you know like. In 2000, in actually in March of 2012, um, I was, um, if you're familiar with the who's lying, is it anyway? Uh, oh, gosh, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, I was a uh, column mockery sound effects guy Oh in, nice. in, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, which is odd. Cause that's actually where my girlfriend's family is from. And, um, but we weren't, we didn't know each other then. And, um, and that was a lot of, like I was on stage um, uh, there's video of it. Um, and, uh, I was on stage doing Collins sound effects and then, for Brad Sherwood, they were, uh, uh, passing around the, the mics. Um, but that was a crazy amount of fun. We're actually going, um, I think in April of this year, uh, because of, of a show from pre COVID. Um, so that, that would be, uh, looking, looking forward to, doing that again but yeah like trying something new that that's actually number four on Mm -hmm. this list um so let's see um for me um i you know i think um create more Mm -hmm. um as um one of the things like i don't do as many podcasts as i would because Um, like, like present me makes plans for future me that when future me shows up and becomes present me is really like, uh, and, and I put off a lot of writing that I used to do. I used to write, um, prolifically, like I used to write, um, like five page columns every day for the league or like for ridiculous runs and, and, um, would be potting a lot more, but. Um, I get in my own way. So creating more, um, that also is for the classroom as well. Um, That, that would also be something that, that I should, I should do. So that's my fourth one.
1: Oh man, I have, I have so many things that I'd love to pick for fifth one, but I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to give one that, you know, I started, like I said, four years ago, and that is um, write down your goals for the year. I think that there's no better way to make sure you do the stuff that you actually want to do than if you write it down and execute against it. And my girlfriend and I started this um, in 2019 when we first met. We basically said, like, we both we both were coming out of um, out of unhappy marriages, and basically said, hey, we don't want to let any more time go by where we're not doing the stuff that we want to do and not enjoying life to the fullest because we spent way too much time already not doing that. So we, we made a list to, together. Um, some things were just her, some things were just me and some things were both of us. But at the end of the day, we, it was something we opened the first of every month. And we're like, what have we done? What are we gonna do? What can we plan to do now? And um, it kind of sets the tone for just how you're gonna live, live your life for the year. And you know, it's one of the ways that I you know have have executed my first round pick of, of vacation more just because i'm forced to do it and um also to get into things like like we're doing now like it wasn't an explicit goal to do podcasting for mlb pro but it was definitely like you said it was create more and i had a bunch of things listed that i could do that um so yeah write down your goals execute on them
0: it's the best i used to do this for like when seasons would come, I would try and make like spring goals and, and summer goals and stuff like that. And I've got a whole bunch of little notebooks that I, I should open back up. Um, yeah, that, that is a, that is a good one. Um, I guess, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm caught between two. Because I think one, I mean, both of them are are preachy, okay? Like they are. Um, Who cares? They yours. Yeah, but like you know, pe- like you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I I I tell my parent or tell my students is, um, you know that it's. Well, I tell them it's okay to not be okay, but I also, um, you know, I I tell them to to listen more, um, because not listening is kind of how our society got to where it is. Is we don't exactly listen to each other. In fact, that there's a really there's a really good song uh, by by an artist named Ryan Montbleu. Uh, called ships in the night. And it, it's, it's, to me, it's like the song that explains what we are right now. We are two ships passing in the night. And um, in, you know, we were talking, like I, the, the topic of, of social media algorithms came up because we're talking about media bias and how social media can, put you in this bubble because once you like something they send you more things that you like because they want you to get that little dopamine shot that um you know will keep you nice and comfortable and keeps you on the social media so it's happened in a political stage where now we have very divided um societies because we're used to um listening just what we want to hear and so like listen to people more like it's okay to disagree like that that's how progress happens is when people disagree with one another and they figure out the solution together like that's where society makes the progress um like and this whole thing of you know building walls and not bridges that doesn't work um, and it's something that in, um, you know, 2020, when, when all sorts of things were, were happening, like I found myself, um, like I'm very, um, committed to facts and have making sure that the facts are present. And part of that is you have to go get all the facts. You can't just go get the facts of the things that you agree with, um, or help bolster your, your argument. And that means you got to listen more. So, hopefully, um, you know we we can actually start doing that and picking up the pieces of of whatever we've created for ourselves. So' I'm, I'm, that that's my that's that's my my preaching.
1: Well, well spoken about the social studies teacher, though, so John, like I, I actually really appreciated all of your comments. Um, I get that politics and stuff is a very touchy subject and just general society in the us right now is a touchy subject, but but it shouldn't be. <laughs> Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you said, like, I loved what you said, which is social studies is the science It's like the study of like what people do. Like no, it's, it's,
0: <laughs> it's literally it's people doing stuff.
1: Yep. That's, doing stuff.
0: Yep. And, and so like that, that's what it is. So for anybody, uh you know, coming to this and and actually making it this far, I, I do teach middle school social studies, um, which actually uh um, shame, shameless plug. I don't know. We haven't started one yet. But um, one of uh, my, my friends who's a father of one of my, um, well, one of my now basketball players, but a student I had last year, and I will have their younger brother again starting next year. Um, we are starting a podcast that is um, civics oriented, aimed at middle school families, but really anybody. So, yeah, we'll do it, man. Whenever that happens, that happens. All right. We have one more draft and it is the literally anything draft. I would love to get a, a sound bite for this, but we're literally drafting anything. Um, I, I'm just going to pick, pick mine because I, I, um, I see hot patches. Um, I, see hot
1: patches. Oh. I am, dra- I
0: am drafting icy hot patches because I would love for one to magically show up. I, I have some at school and then I thought, well, I'll just leave them at school and my shoulder is completely just wrecked. Um, and my back is wrecked and I really want to go play basketball tomorrow. And I think that's going to be a bad idea. <laughs> so I see hot patches, um, would rectify that. I actually think I have one around here somewhere, but I okay, see hot patches. There. That's what I'm drafting. Um, <laughs>
1: You know, what I'm going to take, I'm gonna take uh, Pumpernickel bagels. I think those things are fantastic. Um, you know, we talked about New Year's resolutions and how people should eat better. That's fine. I think you can still have a bagel, probably once a week even. You don't have to cut out carbs. Carbs are great. And Pumpernickel bagels, man, I, I throw a little jalapeno cream cheese on those things. That flavor of like just this dark bread with the spicy cream cheese it's almost like a co co first round pick jalapeno cream cheese with pumpernickel bagels
0: all right i don't think i've ever had a pumpernickel bagel because i'm not really sure what flavor like what's the pumper and what's the nickel i i
1: don't know something it's like a it's like a cross between like rye and just, just i don't know maybe sourdough i don't know it's a dense delicious dark tasty bread just go get one just Walk into whatever your bagel shop is. What'd you say you're in Providence? There's got to be a billion of them. Just go.
0: Yeah, I actually, I really don't think I, I'm, I don't know if I've ever had pumpernickel. I yeah, have no idea. Tomorrow,
1: Do it tomorrow. I'll, I don't have any reason for an hot patch right now, but if I do, I'll go grab one and you've got to grab the bagel. Try something new. It's on my list.
0: Yeah, maybe, uh, may, maybe I will. I, I see if I can build up to the pumpernickel. All right. Um, I think we said an hour and I we're, I don't know what we're at. To be honest with you. I have no, I have no idea.
1: It's, Should we live broadcast our Miguel Leo and trade talks? I feel, I feel like we can just, we just keep going.
0: Oh yeah. No, I got to go eat. I need to eat. <laughs> I, I got to eat food.
1: Doing, I,
0: man? I, I spent like four, four hours on a zoom this morning because of, of distance learning and, and yep. uh, yeah. So, uh, that's, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up here. So that is, uh, Episode one, Jim. Do you think we'll make it to a, a second episode?
1: Yeah, let's do it. We'll, we'll yeah. come up with some topics. I'll even we'll take input from the league. I think I think we could do all sorts of drafts from the team player variety. It'll be it'll be great.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I, I've got I've got um I've got a bunch of ideas already. Um, so uh, all right, well that'll be it. Um, for Jim Ellickar, I'm John Comey. Thank you for listening to episode one of draftacular have a wonderful whenever it is, wherever you are.